believe, I keep saying this, I believe that we are in such a crucial time. And I believe that we're in this time where people are looking at things and they're going, everything is dying. And people, and when people think everything is dying, they try to hold on to what was. You can see it across the world. Our government systems are no longer sufficient. Our educational systems are no longer sufficient. Church is no longer sufficient. The bi um, biology, science, those things are no longer sufficient. You understand what I'm saying? These things, that they used to have all the answer. And experts are having to come back to the table and say, there's more. Experts are having to come back and go, wait a minute. And this is the way I see it playing out. On the science side, all of the people who try to eliminate spirit, Holy Spirit, as an active work in life are having to come back and go, wait, there's some energy out there that we can't quite, we can't name it. And when people get in this energy, there's spontaneous remissions. People start getting healed, and so we don't know what this energy is. At the same token, the church is having to admit that telling people just to come to Jesus isn't enough to change your life. Now, it's enough to change your eternity. Don't get that twisted. You accept Jesus as your personal savior, your eternity is sealed. But I know lots and lots of people who have accepted Jesus and are going to heaven but live in hell. And if you're honest, some of you are them. You've accepted Jesus. You've tried to do the things that they've told you to do. You keep trying to mix this cake up. You keep looking at it. I always use a pound cake because that was the cake of my mastery. You keep working it and you keep looking at somebody. For me, it was my grandmother. I kept looking at that cake and trying to ascertain how she was mixing those ingredients together. Now, the interesting thing that people don't realize is that part of baking is a little chemistry. And if you mix the ingredients wrong, you don't get certain things. If you don't have the ingredients, you don't get the certain thing. So a lot of people are frustrated and they're like, man, church doesn't work. We need to go find something else. Let's burn some sage. Not because they're trying to worship the devil, because they're looking for the peace. They're like, it has to be something else to it than this. Because anybody who has encountered Jesus knows there has to be something more to your life than just living every day the same old raggedy life. You're like, it's got to be more than this. And so I think that we're in this place. And just a little bit, because if some of you are new to Fellowship of Champions, we owe you to tell you this. One of the things that I found is that a lot of times when God is teaching us something, we're a little bit ahead of what the mainstream is saying. So it sounds a little crazy. But the idea that you would be able to carry your phone with you without a cord, 
also sounds crazy. But you have a phone that is now stronger than your, most people's computer right now. So just because something sounds crazy, because typically the reason that anything sounds crazy to us is because it's based in whatever perception we already have. So I've been talking to Pastor Edwin, I've been teaching this thing because this is really just, it's, man, this is just so important to me. And I believe it's so important to me because it's so important to God. I think that it grieves the heart of God to see his children not making progress. I think it grieves the heart of God to see his children be so sin conscious, scared of everything. I mean, really, religion makes people scared of everything. You scared of everything outside of church, and you scared of everything in the church that don't look like what you think it should look like. Sin conscious, can find demons and devils everywhere, can't recognize God anywhere. Know the name of all 3,471 spirits, can't name four archangels. Because you sin conscious. And you're so afraid of messing up. And the thing you fear keeps coming up on you. So because you're afraid of messing up, you just keep on messing up. So I've been talking to Pastor Ellen. And I was saying, you know, what I'm trying to figure out, and I don't know the answer. Tell the neighbor, say, she don't know the answer yet. And, and maybe one of y'all will figure it out. Is what, There has to be a way to get believers to transition into people who just come and hear words into people who become practitioners. There has to be something that gets you from being someone who can just quote a scripture to people who begin to practice scripture. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, I don't really know the answer. I just know that we need to keep going down this path because if it's going to be your best year yet and my best year yet, there are some things in us who, that need to shift. How many of you can admit some things and you need to shift? Yeah. I'm not talking about whether you're a good person or not. Because if you saved, you're already righteous even if you got some character issues. But even some of your character issues you can't dismantle because something else is working in the background. And so I'm just trying to figure out how we get us to practice because we'll hear stuff, right? And then, how many of you have ever heard something you like, oh, like when Pastor Edwin taught unoffendable? Hey, these are steps to being unoffendable. This is what I need to do. This is good word. Praise the Lord. And then you found yourself offended. Because even though you heard it, you didn't know how to practice it yet. And so I think that maybe if we went into this state of thinking as Christianity, Salvation is something that's finished, okay? But being a believer is something we practice. So we practice in our believing. We're practicing hearing from God. We're practicing being able to pause. Does that make sense? All right, all right, all right. So let's look at some scriptures. I'm talking about inside out because all transformation is going to start from the inside out, inside out. Now, one of the challenges is, is particularly in America, is we try to do a lot of changing from the outside in. We try to do a lot of changing from the outside in. So we try to fix stuff on the outside without dealing with the inside. I'm going to give you a good example. So ain't nothing wrong with a fresh face beat. I love a real 
all 27,000 steps make up. And you can cover up the fact that you got bad skin. But when you take the makeup off, the skin is still bad. So the makeup covered up, it didn't fix. Most people are trying to live their life like makeup. We want to cover up, but we don't actually want to cleanse what allows us. So then the cover-up becomes optional. I'm always fascinated when people are like, I got to wear makeup. I'm like, I don't even wear makeup most days. That's because I work on the underneath. Because if I work on the underneath, then whatever I put on the outside is optional. I'm going somewhere with this. If you saw yourself as healed inside, and you did the work inside, then the outside would stop dictating your mood. The outside dictates your mood because it's the most real thing to you. And the challenge for most believers is that what you see, feel, taste, touch, perceive, they are the most real things to most people. So we got to figure out how to do this inside. So let's look at Romans 13, 1. We're just going to try to walk through it, try to get some understanding. It says, do this knowing that this is a critical time. It is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep. A spiritual complacency for our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. I just want you to think about this. It says, okay, now that this is a critical time, we're in this time where people is go are going like, oh, my God, the world is in such a bad state. Oh, my God, we don't know what we're going to do about politics. Oh, my God, we don't know what we're going to do about the economy. Oh, my God, we don't have enough medical solutions. Oh, my God, we don't know what we're going to do about this. He says, here's what you do. Wake up. He says, now it's high time for you to wake up. Because your salvation is closer than when you first believed. Now, we know that when you look at Scripture, Scripture can have multiple meanings, right? Now, they probably mean this in the terms of the return to Christ. But another meaning could be is that the more you believe in who God is, the closer you should get to what he said about you. So I wake up. And when I wake up, I begin to put on my salvation. I begin to say, no, this is who I really am. No, this is really what I really can accomplish. No, this is really my solution. No, I really am light. I'm not darkness. I really am above. I'm not beneath. Does that make sense? So tell your neighbor, say, you got to wake up. You got to wake up. Now let's look at Isaiah 60 because we got a couple of scriptures we want to get to. Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60. It says what? What does it say? And do what? Arise from what? Why? That, stop. That word light means revelation. He says the reason you can get up out of the place that you're in is because the revelation is already available that allows you to be able to get up. You couldn't get up because you couldn't see before. But now you can see, so get up. In order to see, you first have to wake up. 
If I don't wake up, I'm not going to be able to open my eyes and see. So I've got to get conscious of what God has already done. Say already. One of the most frustrating things in the body of Christ is getting people to understand that faith is when. Faith is when. Faith is when. So are you trying to get healed? So why when your body hurts you say you wait no healing? Because if you already healed, what you waiting on? Just stick with me. I'm trying to challenge you. Listen, man, I, I've said this for a year now. I'm so tired of people going to church and going home living the same raggedy life. We've shouted. We've sang. Now, if we can get one thing in us that will change how we live this week, we're on our way to winning. If you can just make it, if you're usually mad on Monday when you wake up, if we could just get you not to be mad till Wednesday, we're making progress. And then you keep practicing, and then it's Thursday. And then you keep practicing, you wake up on Friday, and you was going to be mad, but then you remember it was Friday, so it wasn't no reason to be mad. If we could just get you to do something, if we could just get you to quit yelling at your kids every time they ask a question, if we could just get you to quit being so offended with everybody who disagrees with you, if we could just get you to quit competing with people when there is no competition for your uniqueness, if we could just get you to make a little bit of transformation then that's the work that we're here to do. So it says, arise and shine, for your light has come. Done. In the past, you're not waiting on light. What are you doing? You're waking up to light. Okay, I'm going to give you, here we go. When you go to sleep at night and you wake up in the morning, and let's say you got some really, really good sleep and you slept at 10 o'clock. When the sun comes up, did the sun come up when you opened your eyes or was it up when you, when you finally wake your eyes? Which one? So if you slept to 10, did the sun wake to 10? The sun was up, right? How did you get to see the sun? So you can't see the sun because you ain't woke up. The sun was shining the whole time. God has been God the whole time. You couldn't see. I couldn't see because we were asleep. That's why the Bible says, wake up. Wake up, then get up. I believe the reason the Bible says get up is that anybody understands this. Is that if you're still a little sleepy and you stay in the bed, you go back to sleep. So he says, wake up and then get up. Change your posture is what the King James says. It says, change your posture. It says, now that you have realized that you were not what you thought you were, change your posture. Get in position and then begin to break what used to hold you. And I know that this is problematic for some of you. And some of you will feel like it's sacrilege, but it's not. You're like, you know, we just need God to come in. No. God's already done. He's trying to get you to come in. Yeah. 
You're like, if God would just come down here, he is. The Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. He here already. We need more presence of the Lord. Cultivate it. It's in you. All right. So we got to wake up, become conscious. Now we go back to our scripture we've been using a lot, Romans 12 and 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can't change your life if you don't change your mind. You cannot change your life until you change your mind. I'm going to say it again. You cannot change your life until you change your mind. No mind, no life change. You can get all new stuff. You go, oh, if I just had more money, you, you'd just be the same person you are with more money. You'd just be the same person. Whoever you are with $5, that's who you are with $500,000. No, it's just the truth. You don't, the stuff doesn't change us. But we dictate what stuff is in our life. Your life today is the sum total of your most dominant thoughts. Your life today is the sum total of your most dominant thoughts. This is always really hard for the people in my social class because they're like, no, I'm like this because X happened to me. No, you're like this because of what you did with what X happened to you. I'm like this because my dad left me. Well, I can show you 500 people who dad left them and they went on to be successful. You're not like that because your dad left you. I'm like that because I got molested. No, you're not like that because you got molested. There's people who got molested and they healed and they moved on and they're functional and they have good lives. It's not what happened to you. It's what you did in your soul with what happened to you. If you feel more successful when you have a job than when you don't, you ain't successful. The job makes you successful, and every time somebody snatches one away from you, they play with your self-esteem. All right, let's keep going. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God for your life. Now let's go to Luke 17, 20 through 21. Luke 17, 20 through 21. Say, transformation work, transformation work. is inside-out work. Inside first. When you plant a seed, do you plant the seed on top of the ground? Where are you planting first? Inside first. Always inside first. Inside first. Forget outside. If you get inside right, outside doesn't have any choice but to change. If you have dated losers all your life, if you get loser out of you, you'll stop dating losers. You date losers because losers in you. When loser ain't in you, you won't date losers. You'll be like, ah, bad choice, bye. So what people do is they go, oh, well, I met somebody at a club. That didn't work. Oh, well, I met somebody on Facebook. That didn't work. Oh, well, I met somebody on Snapchat. That didn't work. Oh, well, I went to a dating service. That didn't work. You know why? Because every time you went there, you were you. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he took it away. Oh, just on this side. Come with that, not without observation. Next verse. Neither shall they say, lo here, 
or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is where? So it's in you, but you're always looking out of you. It's in you, but you're always looking out of you. That's why you can't find it. You're looking where it's not located. The Bible says, stop looking here and stop looking there because the kingdom is inside. So start looking inside so you can see what God has deposited. But it's easier to look out on both sides. Listen, real talk. It is easier to look out to blame people for your life. It is also easier to put the responsibility of transformation on somebody else. I'm going to go to FOC so I can get changed. If you come to FOC and act like you acted everywhere else, you just go be at FOC, but you're not going to be changed. Your same self go be wherever you are. I'm going to go to so-and-so. I need to go to this conference because if I can go to this conference right here, then my life will be changed. The problem is you showed up at that conference the same way and you left the same way. So then you like, well, the conference didn't work. Conference work, you did. Church work, you did. The, the gym work, the gym work, the gym work. Oh, yes, it work. The gym work. I go to the gym. No matter how many times I go to the gym, I don't lose weight. Lies. You were there. The gym work. You didn't. You thought because you burned 137 calories that you could now eat a whole cake. That was 1,300 calories. Because you had sweated a little bit and you thought that sweat translated into you being able to eat more calories than you did before you went to the gym. I'm going to the gym and I'm gaining weight. Yeah, you eating more. I'm just trying to get you to see. Because if you can see yourself, you can change. If you can see yourself, you can change. I'm doing everything with my skin I know how to do, but drinking water. I mean, you drink two Mountain Dews for 10 o'clock. You drink sweet tea. You don't drink no water talking about, I don't know why, because I'm, I'm not, I, you know, other people drink water, I don't. Because I know you're the only human being on the planet who made 70% of water who don't need no water. All right, okay. Water work, you don't. Counseling didn't work for me. It worked for all them other people. It didn't work for you. Mainly because I've been in ministry for a long time. I understand how this game works. Most people who come from counseling, come for counseling, come to complain. They come to say, my life is jacked up. My marriage would be better if she would change. My marriage would be better if he would change. My life would be better if my father would apologize. My life would be better if my boss wasn't so crazy. The reason counseling didn't help you is because counseling is not work on others. It's work on self. Thank you, ma'am. Appreciate that. I wish I had a star. I'd give you a star this morning. Thank you very much. Star pupil right there. 
Because even if we all agree that your husband, wife, mother, daughter, boss is all garbage, let's say we hypothetically tape them up and shoot them to the moon. Now what? Now what? Because some of you mad at folks who dead. Some of you still scarred by grandparents. They dead. They ain't here. They been shot to the moon. Now what? And when you committed to it, you just find somebody else to transfer all that anger to. You seek out people like your mean grandmama so you can be abused some more. The kingdom is within. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Transformation is inside out work. You don't understand my story. I know it's your story. That's why you can't get his. You don't understand my story. You don't know what I've been through. Like, Pastor you're so mean. No, I'm actually trying to make you laugh because everybody's heard somebody whine like that about your story is so unique and it's so special and you have been so mistreated. And the, you come and you shout about the blood of Jesus, but you don't believe Jesus can heal the level of mistreatment that you have endured. Because you have now shrunk him down. Anybody see Ant-Man? You have now taken Aunt Jesus and made him Ant-Man and made your problems the whole universe. And now he just a little bitty tick on your problems when you should just let him blow up and be as big as he is. So in order to transform, why am I doing all this? Why do I use all of these examples? I use all of these examples because if I can get you to go, ooh, that's me. Ooh, that's me. Because at first, because we're just human beings, we like, that's rich. Ooh, that's Mika. Ooh, I hope. Ooh, ooh, that's Eugene. If I could give enough, maybe I can get one where you go, ooh, me. It's me. <laughs> now, what should I do? I should change. But the work of change takes work. Like changing your body, changing your mind. It takes work. So if you wake up, then you got to cast off the old stuff. I, I, I guess if you go to a church like this, here's what I can probably guess about you. There are some things that you used to believe about church that you don't believe anymore. Let me see your hand. There are some things you used to believe that you don't believe anymore. That tells me you had the power to change your mind when you want to. I mean, when I grew up in the third grade, in the third grade, they told us Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1942. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I got old and read some books, and I'm like, he stole that land. See, I could change my mind. In third grade, I was singing that song, Columbus. Now I'm like, don't talk to me about no Columbus. Y'all played me. So you can change your mind, right? You can't get new information and go, that ain't quite, uh, that, yeah, you meant well, but that story, because, let me help you for all future conflict, most of us tell stories to benefit us. If I was going to tell you guys about a fight that Pastor Edwin and I have. He ain't even in here. 
I'm going to tell this story to benefit me. So that when y'all walk out, y'all going to be like, I can't believe you did, Pastor Sean, like that. Because I'm going to leave out all of the stuff that makes me look bad. And that's how most of you tell stories. And if you knew that about yourself, that's why you could say, a lot of times when I'm talking, I'm actually lying. Now, I'm not intentionally lying. I didn't say, let me lie and let me trick these people. But part of what we do in our brains is we need to make, okay, yes, that's good. Here we go. So if your underlying thinking is that you are a victim, okay, then every story you tell, you go be the victim. You could slap somebody first and then they beat you up and put you in the hospital and all you know is you got beat up and put in the hospital. It's like, if you hadn't slapped them, you never would have been there. But they didn't have to beat me like that. They didn't have to beat me up like that or you could have not slapped them. All right, third John and two, and then I'm going to teach you something. I hope we laughed enough, something that you can practice this week. I hope you'll practice it. Say practice. practice. We cannot be an Allen Iverson type of church. Amen. We can't be like, practice. Practice? You talking about practice? No, we talking about practice. We talking about practice. We talking about practice when you wake up in the morning. We talking about practice when you go on social media and you notice somebody talking about you. We talking about practice when you get to work and they're not treating you right. We talk about practice when you realize you're not treating people right. We're talking about practice. We get better because we practice. You know how you stop cussing people out? You practice. You know how you became proficient at cussing people out? Practice. So either way, you got there by practice. You was a little kid in the fifth grade. You was thinking about them cuss words, lining them up. You was like, I got to say this and this and this and this. And that's what you say. My mama told me to tell you, Bob. Because I practiced them. So how do you stop? You practice. It ain't rocket science. We get better at anything because we practice. Pastor Edwin and I have been riding our bikes together, and, like, he, like, is, like, a long-distance rider. Like, he be riding his bike, like, 30, 40 miles, right? So, like, a short ride for him is, like, 10 miles. 10 miles, I'm done. I, I mean, I don't even – 10 miles, wherever I get to, somebody come get me. I'm not going back the other way. So we were taking this curve. You know, he ride his bike like he's still nine. He leaning in the curve. He, like – did you ride your brake all the way around that curve? Yes. You know why? I ain't had no practice out here. You ain't going to fall. You're not going to gas me up. I'm going to get proficient with managing my body on this bike before I have you. Because first of all, I know you're going to laugh at me after you help me up. Nope, nope, nope. So some of it is you got to practice where you're trying to go. All right, 3 John 2, it says, if you want to prosper, you got to deal with your soul. Your soul is inside work, inside, outside work. So what do we say our soul is? You know this, FOC, what's our soul? All right, so there are five parts of your soul, but today we're going to talk about one part, mind, 
and we're going to split that part in two parts. And this is the beauty of psychology and science all coming together. Pastor Ellen says, when you talk about this, your face lights up. I said, my face lights up because I can see all of the people who can get free if they can figure out how to manage themselves. If you can figure out how to manage yourself, how to shift your own mood, how to track what has you in a bad mood, how to track why you're angry, if you can learn to shift that yourself, you are unstoppable. And the people who are wearing you out lose their power to wear you out. So the mind has two parts. You might want to take some notes on this, unless you got a photographic memory, but ain't really no photographs up there, so maybe. It's on you, though. Your mind has two parts. It's the conscious and the subconscious. Actually, it's three parts, but we're not going to talk about the third part. We're just going to deal with two parts, okay? Conscious and subconscious. So your conscious mind is the creative part of you. So everybody has a conscious part of their mind. And so let's think about it like this. When you woke up this morning, who woke up by an alarm this morning? Okay, if you woke up by an alarm this morning, how did you know what an alarm did? I heard it before. You heard it before. So you recognize an alarm. <laughs> Good job, Chris. Good job. <laughs> I love this girl. How did, you, how, did, how did you know what an alarm was? Past, right? How'd you know how to brush your teeth? How'd you know how to get dressed, how to button your shirt? Right? How did you know how to drive here? You learned, so you've done it before, right? So does anybody remember when you thought you could drive because you saw people drive? And then anybody thought they could drive because you saw people drive. And then, and then you be like, I got this. And then you get behind the steering wheel and you be like, I don't got this, right? Because you think that because you watched it, you can do it. Now, do you remember that once you started driving, you was aware of everything? Like you couldn't figure out how you was going to move your feet from the gas to the brake, and some of you had to try to put your feet on both, and if you had a good driver teach you, they say, you can't do that. You got to move with that foot back, that left foot back, one foot driving, unless you're driving a stick, right? And if you think about it, you had to think about it. You like, put the car in reverse. Double checking, inching up. Now you put your car in reverse. Ah, what? Why? Why? Because you practiced it, and now your past is how you drive. But your past is how most of you live. Everything you do is predicated on some experience you have had before. So you decide what's going to happen based on what has previously happened. That's how you decide you don't have no money. That's how you decide who will die from a sickness. That's how you decide what kind of job you can get. That's how you decide whether you can graduate. That's how you decide whether you can live your dreams or not. It is all predicated off of the past. Does that make sense to everybody? 
It's like when I talked about anybody ever got mad because somebody they love was mad first. You're using the past. You like in the past, X happened, they get mad, I get mad, blow up, make up, right? Past. So here's the problem. All of that past is running in your subconscious. This is important. Your subconscious is where everything about you that's automatic exists. Right now, if your heart beating, lift your hand. That should mean every hand. If your hand not going up, we, we, got, we got a nurse or two in here. If, let me see your hand again. If your hand, if your heart is beating, raise your hand. Are you making your heart beat? It is doing it how? Automatically, on its own. You need to understand that most of the stuff you do in your life, you do the same way. So when we begin to talk about interrupting our thinking, here is where double-mindedness comes in. All right, let me slow down. Subconscious is shaped by the time you're seven. Whatever you believe about yourself, it was formulated by the time you were seven. Good and bad, okay? So how many of you guys go, with some good stuff in there? How many like, there's some not so good stuff in there, right? Now everything that formulated your subconscious, somebody didn't tell you, okay? So particularly the more people there were in your family, okay? Like if you notice most of the time, the babies in the family do everything faster. They do everything faster because they have so many people to watch doing it. They typically walk faster. They typically talk faster. I always say I feel like Canaan came here talking. Why? Because she had four older siblings, parents, Chris, Tamara, all of these people who she could model all of the time, which is why we end up saying something like this about a kid. They've been here before. They haven't been here before. They just had the opportunity to observe so many people who are already here. So your subconscious is formed one through seven. So that means, and it controls 90%. Are y'all with me? I know, I know y'all like, is this school? Yes, it's school because if you get it, it'll change your whole life. So your subconscious is formed by the time you're seven. So what you feel about yourself is running underneath the surface regardless to what you say out of your mouth. Does that make sense? So if I think I'm smart, even if I try to downplay it for you, on the inside I'm still going, but girl, I'm smart. I'm sorry you ain't. That ain't got nothing to do with me, right? If I think I'm stupid, then even if people are telling me I'm smart, what's running underneath is that I'm stupid. If I think I don't deserve something, if I think I'm not worthy, if I think there's not enough, whatever's running underneath is the thing that I believe regardless to what I'm saying here. Here's the challenge. Your conscious mind is only about 5% as powerful as your subconscious mind. So we spend all our time, I'm gonna give you some steps at the end. So we spend all our time and we, we train ourselves 
to say the right things. We know we don't say things like we catching the flu. We know we don't say things like we running out of money. Y'all got me, right? The problem is, is that if you grew up in sickness and lack, even when you're saying it out of your mouth, what's running underneath is that it's not enough money. Which is the reason that if you have an undercurrent running that there's not enough money, no matter how much money you get, it's not enough. And the challenge for us is that most of us grew up in an environment of good and bad. So you might have grown up in a family that told you that you were smart, but told you that you had to work hard for everything you get. Well, if you believe you have to work hard for everything you get, and then God says, I want to give you this, you like, does not compute. It does not compute. It doesn't compute. So I hear what you're saying. This is so good to me. Your subjective, your, your subconscious mind is subjective. That means your subconscious mind stores and retrieves data to cause you to respond in the way you are already programmed. If you got questions asked, this is, this is, do you understand what I'm saying? So if, in one through seven, I had some victimization. And let's say I had some victimization and I got some really good nurturing after being victimized. Now what I have a program running that says is that if people see me as the victim, they will nurture me. So I'm saying out of my mouth, I am an overcomer. I am more than a conqueror. I am victorious. But underneath, I have a program running that says, if I am a victim, people nurture me. Does that make sense? So your subconscious picks up information based on how you already program. Okay, I'm gonna give you a real easy example that you'll understand. Um, anybody ever decided they wanted a car or got a new car? And once you decide you want that car or you get a new car, you see it everywhere. You see it everywhere, right? So you get you a Ford Edge, that's what I'm driving right now. And then all of a sudden, you drive off the lot and everywhere you go, you see a Ford Edge. You're now conscious to it. The four edges were running in the background all along. You didn't have a reason for your consciousness to say, hey, there's a Ford Edge. So if poverty is running in your consciousness and you don't have a reason to say abundance is mine, you will miss it even when it's on the road beside you. Let's take love. Everybody wants love. They do. The challenge is that most of the people who want love are terrified of love. And they are terrified of love because they have a previous experience that they either experienced or they watched about love. 
So out of their mouth, they're saying things like, I want to spend my life with somebody. But in their subconscious, they're saying, I don't want anybody to get too close because if you get too close, you're going to injure me. So then when you actually attract somebody, your subconscious kicks in because your subconscious has been programmed to believe that you don't want love because you don't want to be hurt. So your subconscious said, get rid of that joker. Your subconscious doesn't have morality. So your subconscious doesn't judge if something is right or wrong. Your conscious decides if something is right. Is this making sense? Are we, are we on the same page? Y'all need to breathe? Okay, all right. I, I want, I just, but it's cool if you're processing, but I'd rather somebody stop me and say, I don't get that point right there. Because this ain't church as usual. And I don't know how long we're going to do this, but if you're going to change your life and you're like, I don't get that, you need to be like, hey, walk me through and I'll do the best I can to explain it to you. So when I look at my life and I look at what I'm both attracting and repelling, it is based on what's happening inside of me. The problem for many of us, the reason church people get offended with God it's because you're like, but I'm making confessions. But making confessions by themselves doesn't rewire the subconscious that was already pre-programmed before you ever found church. So then people get weary and well-doing. And now you think that all of the dysfunction you learned in 40 years, you're going to unravel in one year of going to church when you even come every Sunday. It would be like saying in one year of working out once a week, 75% of the weeks, I'm going to transform my body. You're just not. And I don't care how hard you work out them one or two times you go, them 75, I don't care. Your body is not going to change. You're not going to undo 40 years, 27 years, 17 years. You can look at your kids now, guys. Look at your kids. Your kids who are seven. And anybody who's raised kids can see this. Unless something traumatic happens for your kids or something powerfully transformative happens for your kids, who your kids are at seven, that's pretty much who they are. And because so much of it's subconscious, that's the reason that your mama will tell you that your kid is like you and you can't see it. Because most of what you doing is subconscious. So your conscious mind say, I didn't never talk back like that. Your mom like, yes, you did. You did talk back just like that. She sound just like you. Because you did that so long, you don't even realize you're doing it. All right. So you got to realize that when we're talking about not being double-minded, we're talking about bringing our subconscious and conscious into agreement, into alignment. So now I go to church, I hear the word. I hear the word. This is my best year yet. Yay! My conscience gets excited about that. My mind, will, emotions, we get excited about that because who don't want to have the best year yet? Who signs up for the worst year yet? Everybody want to have the best year yet, right? Now, 
even when we talk about that, let me tell you what begins to impact how we respond. If you had a pretty bad year last year, you like, well, last year y'all said it was going to be a year of great victory. And um, I didn't have a lot of victory. So I'm going to let some other people go on and see how this best life work. And if y'all get a few victories, maybe I'll jump in. And now you have one more thing that's deposited into your subconscious. They're saying, you can't get victory. They can get victory, but you can't get victory. You can't be favored. You're not the favorite in your family. How could you be God's favorite? You're not the favorite in your family. Why? Because you got stuff running that you don't even know is running. Now, anybody knows that when you have phone, computer, whatever, that at some point you have so many things open, so many apps open, you got to start closing that stuff down. You'd be like, why is my computer running so slow? It may be them 32 tabs. Maybe all of that stuff running in the background, right? So when you become aware that you have this stuff running in the background, that is when it becomes important for you to not just pray. Because one of the things we've talked about a lot is that people pray, which most people mean you talk. God, here I am again. Coming most humbly as I know how. I want to thank you for today. You know I need some money to get these kids some shoes. And last time, my boss didn't pay me all the money. See, you stopped praying right then. Now you're complaining. My boss didn't pay me all the money. And then I ended up in a bad situation. And, Lord, what you going to do about it? Because is you going to come through or is you not? Because you know I could call Mr. and Mr. Hook a girl up. But I'm trying to live right for you, Lord. And now what, what is it, you know, I mean, I don't understand. You pray proper word with us. You at home, you talk different to God. You're like, all right, God, I know that you said, I know Pastor them said we're supposed to be unoffended, but let me tell you something. If this lady come up in here talking crazy one more time, I'm going to catch you by a throat. And all I'm asking is that you don't let me go to jail. That's what I'm asking, Lord. I mean, you're not, Lord, stop me, help me, Lord. I just, just don't let me go to jail because, you know, I ain't really got no money for jail and stuff. You see what I'm saying? Meditation is listening. God. Every year, I live in a cycle of poverty. Why? Lord, every time I think I'm in a good relationship, I feel like I got tricked. Why? Lord, every time somebody try to give me some instruction, I get swole up and be like, can't nobody tell me what to do. Why? Why? What's going on with me? What happens when people start to give me instruction? Oh, and then the Lord goes, yeah, you know, you feel like when people give you instruction, you think you feel like they think you're stupid. Oh, so if I reprogram my mind and realize that every time somebody was trying to give me an instruction, they didn't actually think I was stupid. They were actually trying to help me. He'd be like, you got an Ike Turner spirit. You don't want nobody to help you. Do you see what I'm saying? 
That's what meditation is. That's the other side of that. Lord, I have this problem. Here's my prayer. Your word says there is a solution. Here's the word. Now, why am I here? Why am I here? Now, the challenge is that when Holy Spirit starts bringing up the why, we often don't think it has anything to do with us. Right. We just like, you know, if you talk to the Lord about more money and then he talked to you about your dysfunctional relationship with your family, you like, that ain't got nothing to do with it. He like, no, that's exactly why you don't have no money because you keep giving money away to people in your family that you're not supposed to, that I told you not to give to them. Um, God, I don't understand why I'm stuck. Well, I told you to apply for five jobs. They done prophesied to you. It's memes show up on Facebook. I done sent get a new job to you in every language that you know, and you still want to apply for a new job. That's why you don't have no money. All right, we almost done. So your subconscious works to keep you operating in agreement with your master program. So think about it like this. Your conscious mind is your gardener. And your subconscious mind is the garden. But even as you start to tend your garden, you already have some weeds that are there. Now, praise God, you got some beautiful stuff that was there. How many of you have some people in your life who poured some good things into you as a kid? You got some good stuff in there, right? But you got some weeds, too. Everybody knows that the weeds grow faster than the pretty stuff. So you got to deal with the weeds which means you have to wake up and become a student of yourself. Tell your neighbor, say, become a student of yourself. You got to study yourself. Every time you find yourself trying to study someone else, say to yourself, self, that's not our job. Our job is to study us. I'm studying myself because I'm trying to bring all these fragmented, dysfunctional pieces into unity with what God said. God, you said this would be my best year yet. Can you tell me the top three things that are likely to stop that from happening to me? All right, Lord, you know me better than I know me. And there's some stuff I know about me that I ain't even ready to say out loud yet, but you already know. And because you already know, I don't even have to say it out loud, but can you tell me the top three things that are most like, that I am most likely to use to sabotage myself this year? That's the practice. So then when you getting ready, somebody call you on the phone, the Holy Spirit say, don't answer that right now. Practice. What do you do? Don't answer. No, that's, I, that, I got to talk to her right now. Do it again. You ain't got to make a Facebook status about that. Could I tell y'all something about Facebook? I want to help y'all. I, I really want to help y'all. <laughs> I really want to help y'all. I mean, because part of my work is that I study the analytics of Facebook. I want you to understand this. What you can see on your timeline, all your friends can't. We clear? So if you got a thousand friends, right, and you and me and Santresa, only have 20 friends in common. If Santresa says something crazy about me on social media, when I post about it, I'm the one who gave the other 980 people access to know what Santresa said about me. Because we only had 20 mutual friends. 
A lot of the drama that happens in your life happens because you feel like it's necessary to get on the book and be like, I just want to say, I want everybody to know that while Santresa out here talking about me, she need to worry about her own man. First of all, we didn't know you and Santresa had a problem. And because your post is first, you the one look crazy. We like, why she busting out Santrice about a man? Now when we're texting, we texting about that. And but but to me, social media is such a snapshot of what happens in the brain. You think this one thing happened and everybody saw it. You think everybody in the world knows. It's like if you've ever been an adult and fail, it ain't the same as you a kid. But if you've ever been an adult and fail, you think everybody saw you fall. Most of them people didn't see you. Sometimes nobody saw you. Sometimes people wouldn't even know you fail if you hadn't had to tell that you fail. So think about that. Your subconscious is the garden, and you're going to have to pull up some weeds. And so in order to do that, if you think about the fact that 70 to 90% of your activities are moved are in the unconscious, how you fold your legs, how you, how you cross your legs, how you fold your arms, which hand you write with, how you make the cues on your letters, the curls, whatever, all of that subconscious is pre-programmed. You're not thinking about that. When you started writing in cursive, you were thinking about it. Now you're not thinking about it. Now you don't sit down and write and go, how I make an R? You just write it. So if you've got all this stuff running in the background, guys, you've got to get really, really conscious. So I want to give you some steps. I want to give you some steps. As difficult as this may seem, say this, say it's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's really, it's not that hard. It's important that you understand. You've got to go into this saying, it's not that hard. It's, it's just not that hard because God gave me the ability to do it. It's not that hard. And typically when we think stuff is hard, it's because we keep meditating on how hard it is. Anybody ever put off some, head, some homework because you thought it was going to be hard and then you did it and it was easy? So you spent all weekend dreading it when you could have just knocked it out in 20 minutes. It wasn't even that hard. I remember one time I had a project in my master's program and I thought it was going to be so hard and I kept putting it off. And man, it was one of those things where it was like read to the end and all you got to do is like write your name and something like that. And I was like, oh, wow, let me write name. Bye. Done. But a lot of it is about, I mean, think about this. People who struggle to work out, it's because you keep saying how hard it is. People who struggle to eat right, it's because you keep saying how hard it is. People who struggle to come to church every week, it's because you keep saying how hard it is. It's only hard to get up because you keep saying it. So you just keep reinforcing it. So if you don't like what you're getting, stop saying it. And start programming yourself and your behavior will start changing. And then somebody who you normally would have cussed out, you'll walk on and be like, ooh. I ain't even cussed them out. And then your little gangster will be like, but they better be glad because if they do that again. <laughs> All right, here are our steps. It's seven steps. Recognize that God has already given us the, the power to reprogram ourselves. 
We already have the power to reprogram ourselves. This is really important, especially for church people, because that means God's not going to reprogram you. You're like, I'm just waiting on the Lord. He like, stop waiting, baby. Get up and use what I gave you. God has already given you the power to reprogram yourself. So God has a plan for you. It's a good plan. He has dealt with every single area of your life, all the money you need, all the relationships you need, all the health you need, all the peace you need. He's already taken care of it, right? Your purpose, destiny, already taken care of. Got it? And he's giving you the power, you, but you have to activate the power, all right? Number two. Oh, they wrote it up there. Look at that. Number two, you got to practice quietness. You have to practice quietness so you can actually hear what's running in the background. One of the most difficult things for people like this, people go, my mind doesn't ever shut down. All that means is that your mind is untrained. If your mind goes all the time, it means your mind is untrained. You have to begin to train your mind. Research tells us that people break concentration six times in a minute. That means every 10 seconds, the average person is losing focus. How many of you can't stand the idea of being average? Why don't you start working on that first? If the average person is breaking their, breaking their attention once, I mean six times a minute, you should be like, I can at least get it to three. Then I'm going for two. And then I'm going for being able to make, take a whole minute and stay focused. Do you know that now they say that goldfish have longer attention spans than human beings? The, 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 the uh, attention span of a goldfish is like 13 seconds. Now, you know, they forget everything. They forget. But they was focusing them 13 seconds. You go remember, but you got to train yourself to focus. So you got to get quiet. You got to learn how to shut the noise out. So let me give you some practical ways to do that. Listen, if you drive to work, you got to drive to work and back from work. How about this? Don't take in noise both times. I ain't going to tell you. I would suggest the morning, because some of you not really morning people anyway, and y'all just looking for somebody to do something so you can click on them. How about in the morning, no radio, no YouTube, no music, no talking on the phone, just listen. But here's the big thing I want to tell you about this. If you're going to transform your life, you have to be committed to not believe everything you think. If you're going to change your life, you got to be committed to not believe everything you think. Anybody ever believe something that you know crazy? My favorite one is when I believe somebody in the house with me. When I get convinced. I know ain't nobody in the house, but I heard a couple of noises, and then I, I checked 360, ain't nobody home. Listen, when I was in college, I left my whole apartment called the police, made them walk through my apartment. I felt so shame, but I was glad they came, though. <laughs> in, my, I, in my mind, I was, just because you're convinced of something doesn't make it real. If you decide I don't like you, it don't matter what I do. You're not going to believe I like you because you've already decided I don't like you. I'm going to say this, and somebody going to still say I don't like them. If I ever don't like you, I will tell you to your face. I will tell you. You don't ever have to be like, oh, she didn't respond to me. She don't like me. No, if I didn't like you, I would be like, I don't like you. I don't want to be your friend. Stop talking to me. 
You go, you're a pastor, you can't do that. Did you hear me just say it? I don't like you. <laughs> Stop talking to me. If I've never said that to you, we cool. Just like that. See? Three. Make positive affirmations to reprogram our minds. So even though what we say out of our mouth isn't the biggest thing, we need to be saying the right things. So when I feel like I'm getting sick, what should I say? Uh -huh. That works. Uh-huh. When I feel like I'm sad, what should I say? And let me tell you what else you could do when you start feeling sadness and depression. You could get up and move your body. You got this whole, you got this whole chemical agency. You are your own pharmacy. You can be sad. You can get up and start to dance. And your body, all the little happy drugs, they'll start releasing and distributing through your body. You got your own pharmacy. Tell your neighbor, say, you are your own drug dealer. You your own drug dealer. Push what you want. So make positive affirmations. You don't think you have enough money, what do you say? All my needs are met, and then you start asking questions. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what would you like me to do? And some of you, because you're really smart and you see, you hear these things, you be like, that was God. That wasn't God. You made that up. Just that's why I go be quiet and go past. Go past. I'm serious. If you're not trained to hear God, the first stuff you hearing ain't God. You got to let that up wave. That's like a wave. It come on in. That first wave, it kind of be like this in the beginning when you're training yourself. It's like you are the devil first, one of y'all. Like when you hear somebody say, slap them, devil. Or you, depending on how disciplined you are. I mean, first wave, second wave, quietness. You can pretty much tell God because he typically is not what you would have done. That's pretty much. Like when this girl didn't like me and the Lord said, send her flowers. I thought it was the devil at first, right? Because it's like, why would you want me to spend my money on somebody who doesn't like me? That doesn't, that's got to be the devil. And it stuck because it was like, because I, I couldn't do anything bad to the flowers. That's how I knew it was the Lord. Like if it did something, I could do bad to the flowers. <laughs> right. And then I did it. And then God touched her heart. And then all was well. See? Yeah. Make positive affirmations to reprogram your mind. Verse four. Verse four. Number four. <laughs> Listen to affirmations in your sleep. Listen. Some of y'all, y'all go to bed and listen to all kind of madness. You scary because you listen to criminal minds and law and order in your sleep. Now you see unsubs everywhere. Everywhere you go, every time you see a white van, you're like, I wonder. I wonder. Watch him. Watch them. So you want to get intentional. And let me tell you the best affirmations. Here's what you really should do. What you really should do is you should record. Now, here's an assignment. Let's see if anybody will try. On your ride to work, you could record your own affirmations. And then when you go to sleep, you could listen to them on a loop because nothing is more powerful to transform your subconscious than your own voice. Nothing's more powerful than your own voice. So for all of you who hate 
turn and tell your neighbor. Turn and tell your neighbor is not for your neighbor. It's really to get you to hear what's being said. Because nothing transforms you faster than what you believe about you. So you could record on the way, on the Monday, and then every night you could listen to that, and then the next Monday you could start a freshman, and in a month you'd have four you could choose from. Let me tell y'all this. Some of this stuff, it may be exciting for a couple of days. Some of that stuff going to get boring. You're going to be like, I don't really want to listen to my affirmations. I really want to listen to the new so-and-so. You got to ask yourself, is the new so-and-so going to help me transform my subconscious? So how about I listen to my own voice affirmations first, and then up in the day when I'm conscious, I can listen to whatever it is I want to listen to, but I don't want to keep giving the primary um, focus of my thoughts to stuff that won't change me. Um, number five, ask Holy Spirit to show you the subconscious blocks you have. You don't know your own subconscious blocks. None of us do. Have you ever had people to tell you something about yourself that you couldn't see it and then later on you could see it? That's because you had a block to it. I ain't really that. Everybody, all your friends like, girl, you are. You mean. Every time we go out, you be hollering at the waitress. You got to stop that. So just because you can't, that's why we need the Holy Spirit. All right, Holy Spirit, help me see this. And then some of us, we argue with the Holy Spirit. We be like, uh-uh, not me. That's them. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, well, let me know when you're ready. Number six, train yourself to interrupt negative patterns and to recover faster. So you got to train yourself. And the only way that you train yourself is that you got to get quiet and start thinking about the way you think. I don't mean this like, listen, I'm not anti-TV because I like TV. But you need to understand this, that TV, music, movies, all they do is put you in a state of subconscious. And they program you, right? So if you're never in control of your own programming, everything in your life is being programmed by somebody else. It's being programmed by somebody else. So what you believe about the world is based on what's trending on Twitter. And some of you have even said it. You know, you find out that something tragic happens in another part of the world, and now you broke down, but you weren't going to go over there and fix it. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. If you hear about something catastrophic happening someplace else, how was you being sad? going to solve it if you really care get your brain congruent and see well how could I help what could I do is there a donation that I give but you sitting at home in the bed sad didn't help any of those people but we sometimes feel like that's what we need to do oh that's so messed up so now I'm gonna get in the pit with you great so now we all in the pit so we got to train ourselves to interrupt negative patterns and recover faster. So I'm, I'm, okay, question for the class. Somebody give me an example of how you can interrupt a negative pattern or how you already do. Not Chris. Go ahead. Wait, flashback to class because you thought I was about to say not you? Oh, no, because that's I want you to stand up and say it. Just come on. Because in this class, you can speak. Go ahead.
All right. There's number seven, and then I want to read a quote to you, and then I'm done. Okay. What's number seven? Is there not, not another seven? Yeah. Do what? Practice thanksgiving and gratitude. You always got something to be thankful for. Say, I always have something to be thankful for. You got to practice thanksgiving. I want to read this quote to you. I thought it was really good. Um, this lady who studies the brain. She says, if your DNA responds to every thought you have, do you think that the social media accounts you follow are helping or harming your DNA activations? If your DNA responds to every thought you have, do you think your social media accounts, the social media accounts you follow are helping or harming your DNA activations? Govern yourself accordingly. 